baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It is now 8.07 and it is time to be brave. We have to talk about Spotify tonight. Spotify has been the news, um, been in the news lately and not for the best of reasons. Their squabble with artists over some of the content from podcaster Joe Rogan has called waves across the platform. And how does Spotify compensate artists? Is it fair? Speaking of fair, artists and radio stations may soon be coming together for an agreement on use of the artist's art. Here to comment on it is local entertainment attorney Alex Mueller from Johnson and Helmuth. Welcome, 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 Alex. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me back. How are you? I'm doing well, and I hate, I, ha- I really don't enjoy talking about Spotify. So may I say that up front? Um, give me your take on Spotify. Is this something we need to be concerned about, or, or, or should we? I mean, should we not? Well, the, the thing is, the, the tech sector has always been a disruptor, and the legal system is always chasing its own tail, as it were. So what's been going on throughout the entirety of the music industry from the very, very first time we were recording music and releasing records, they sort of try to shoehorn the legal system backwards based on technology that existed before that. So what I mean is, first we had, you know, physical medium, we had vinyl records, we had radio, which is AM, FM, broadcast radio. When the internet came out, the laws had to be changed somewhat, and that happened and took effect in 1998. There was a slight update done. But what was weird before that is that artists weren't paid for radio play, only writers and publishers were And that came about for a couple reasons, and one of them had to do with the lack of federal copyright protection for sound recordings as separate works, which was only changed after 1978. And so any recording that was done pre-1972 did not have federal copyright protection, while the, the underlying musical work did. So the writers were getting paid, the artists, the record holders weren't getting paid, that wasn't true in other countries. In other countries, artists did get paid for AM, FM usage, but not in the U.S. And the record industry wasn't all that keen on making broadcasters pay artists either because radio was promotional to sell physical medium. So they said radio looks great for us as a, a sales tool, get people excited about the record and then go buy it. Physical sales really declined recently, in particular. CDs are down something like 97%. Vinyl, weirdly, is going up again, but mostly everything's streaming and downloads. And what happened, we'll talk about Spotify. They're in a category that the law classifies as an interactive digital service provider. So when that was first launched, they said, okay, Internet, what do we do with that? Downloads, 
that makes sense to us, that'll work like physical sales. So we'll treat that like physical sales. All the same royalties will apply. Streaming that works like radio, internet radio, that sort of thing, we'll treat that just like broadcast. And so we'll pay the writers and then we'll create this new right for digital performance for the artists. And then they came to things like Spotify, which are interactive, meaning you can go type in a specific song and it brings that exact song back to you to listen to. Considered interactive, it's a level plus. So they said, oh, I know, that's like a jukebox. So we'll treat that and license it the same way as we would a jukebox. So Spotify Mm -hmm. is an example of an interactive digital service provider. So they're responsible to pay performance royalties to the writers, to the publishers. They're responsible to pay Sound Exchange that digital performance royalty that goes to the record label and the musicians and the artists that perform on the performance side. And then they're also responsible to pay what's called mechanical licensing. And that was the piece that was kind of went back and smoothed over with the Music Modernization Act because that was really the royalty that was getting missed most of the time by these internet providers. That was a long-winded explanation, but that's that's where we're at. I enjoy that long-winded explanation. Thank you very much for that because it reminds me, it takes me all the way back to the early 60s, you know, when uh, groups had to tour to make their money and then they sell their 45 um, and try to get it, you know, played as much as possible, right? We are right back at that. It seems today that professional artists, um, music, music artists, they're getting out there, making a lot of money off of their concerts again right? Uh, They're touring a lot. Um, We've talked about on this show how many of those artists, the big artists that are coming forward, now you've got the artists that are selling their their, um, catalog of songs because they're making a lot of money. I think it was um, our own Bob Dylan that started the big rave about that. And now you've got a whole lot of artists, including Stevie Nicks and others that are coming forward and saying, you know what, I'm ready ready to sell my catalog. Because at this point, it feels like they're selling it anyway. They're giving it away. So if we have already been there in the early 60s, and I want to know how you feel about my my co- comparison here to where we are today, um, when you have someone like Pharrell, as you remember, um, who you know had about 410 million plays of the song Happy and made about 63 or $6,400 for it from Spotify, that is so disturbing. Can this be recreated so that everybody wins? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, There's some other countries that have, like Norway is an example, they're phasing out AM and FM radio entirely. And so there's, there's questions of what is the tech going to look like? How is that going to change? Of course, how is the consumer behavior going to evolve over time? The U.S. and the U.K. are still largely download markets everywhere else is pretty much streaming and the consumer for the most part doesn't seem to mind if they have tangible ownership of a copy so long as they have constant access to it and so what i could see happening is something very similar to what happened to the video streaming platforms where at first there were only a few and they dominated the market share and then all of a sudden and it seems like there's a new one every week there's going to be niche interest and people will be subscribed to multiple 
niche-focused music streaming platforms. That wouldn't surprise me one bit as being kind of the next step in how the market will evolve. Um, Something further that I think is going to keep becoming an interesting a dynamic is the direct access that artists have to their fans with social media and kind of unprecedented, you know, we don't need the middleman. You can go straight to the artist, straight to the fans and have a dialogue there. What do you want to listen to? Okay, I'll record more of that. And then we've seen this happen in particularly in the video game space, this idea of microtransactions. And I think the reason that the music became something people think of how it's commoditized. When iTunes launched, they had to really work hard with the recording industry to convince them that the technology of an iPod was a good idea, right? Because if you look at that from a legal standpoint, that is de facto a copyright infringement. You've made a, a copy that was not authorized, right? But it's for private use, so it's okay. And they said, okay, we want we want to authorize people to make these copies, download this music, put it on their device, and we want all the songs to cost 99 cents. And the recording industry was like, we don't think every song is worth 99 cents, and who are you to tell us how to value our product? And they came up with that essentially by working backwards off of the price of a CD at that time. They're like, okay, look, mm-hmm. your CD is like $12.99 or like $15, and you've got eight. 12 songs on there so it's roughly like 99 cents a song is like okay fine so this this is kind of we don't know how to value music and the money doesn't fall out of thin air it has to come from somewhere and so there's tension about where in the chain of distribution the the pain of paying more is going to be inflicted and if a service like spotify finds that it has to pay more to get the music they're going to raise their prices on their customer so that's kind of what everyone's trying to figure out and it's it's sort of like can the pie be made bigger somehow instead of just always worrying about how we're carving up fractions of pennies and it is it's fractions of pennies that mm-hmm. you, know, you know an artist makes like half a cent for a spin on spotify so okay so then how does this work for the the studio um, the studios in Hollywood, when they are, you know, building these big, um, they're, they're putting out this incredible music that is on a film, and then all of a sudden it becomes a number one hit. Are they also taken um, by people by these companies like a Spotify? Are they also um, having problems with that, or do they do the business differently? Are you referring to like soundtrack albums? Exactly. Yeah, usually the studio, there's some exceptions if the artist that did it has some clout to get a a kind of better deal. But typically, and certainly for the underscore, so like the instrumental music on a film, those are usually work for hire situations, which means that the studio is the publisher. So, you know, like if you get hired by Paramount or Warner or something like that, they have a publishing a music publishing division of their company that handles the soundtrack release and so they are in for it if it gets put on Spotify they're going to get the publisher's share of those royalties and they'll get the label's share of the digital performance royalty and that's worth it 
They must I'm just, keep doing it, right? They do so keep it's, doing it's it. Always, there's always been this friction, and this is what broke bands, like notoriously broke bands like the Beatles, right? Like the writers make more than the artists because right. there's more places that the composition can go to without the recording, but the recording can't go anywhere without bringing along that composition. It just so amazes me. So if, Sorry, if you, if you charted publishing revenue against the, the label side, the master rights side, mm-hmm. the publishing is always going to have more opportunity and more revenue than, than the master side. And it's been that way for, since the beginning, right? Yeah. <laughs> beginning yeah. of it all, it's been that way. It way. Be. Yeah. Right, right. It doesn't mean that's the way it should be, but that is the way that it is. So if if artists that are new today who initially were some of the ones who went to Napster and Napster was stealing all the music and they just kind of went, hey, if my music can be heard, I'm good, right? So today Napster still exists. Am I correct with that? Right? That was the number one culprit. I'm not positive, you know, to be honest. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I think so. I think it still exists. It used to be Rhapsody, I remember, and then um, Napster. And so here we have these... Um, what I call thieves, <laughs> thieves in the temple, as Prince used to <laughs> play, write that. He wrote that song. It just it, it reminds me of taking it away from those who created it. And I can imagine this may sound like, you know, 2000 years ago when the great artist um, who wrote plays, the Shakespeare's of the world. And, and can you imagine how how many times their work had was was stolen from them? So it seems to be something that has been going on since the beginning of art. Um, and being artistic, um, and how you try to deal with that today and actually make a living from it. We could make a living. I'm an artist as well. We could make a living off of our art, off of our gifts, our, our voices. And now you can't seem to do it unless you are a superstar. So where do we go from here, Alex? Yeah, I think what you're touching on is interesting. There's, there's sort of always this duality of, of policy interests in any legal question, right? And copyright is a relatively new area of law. It goes back hundreds of years all the way to the the Statute of Anne in England. But there's the duality and competing interests are, should the artist maintain an economic monopoly, which is what a copyright provides, so they have exclusive rights to use their work, to market it, to profit from it, or does that work, is that a cultural property? Should that belong to the people? And so it's interesting when you start looking at copyright issues, particularly internationally, because different cultures and different countries have a different outtake on this. And so, for example, many Asian continent countries look at art and music as a cultural property. And they're like, sure, you know, we'll play the game and make films and make money and make music and make money. But ultimately, there's a different interest underlying the creation of that and the dissemination of that compared to in in the Western societies where we do. We want to be able to make a living from our art. And it's in some ways, there's more opportunity than ever before. But in some ways, it's a lot harder because you're chasing fractions of pennies and there's more competition and more noise to climb through. Do you remember those books called The Business of Music? 
Yeah. Remember that sort of thing? Yeah. Oh, man, we used to read those, um, you know, just sit down in a corner and stay with it for hours, you know, 10 to 12 hours in a day, just trying to read and catch up on what's new and what's, you know, what's gone. And it's, it feels as though things are leaving us a lot sooner than they used to because of technology. And I'm just wondering, we still have something called, what is it, the copyright Copyright Royalty Board, correct? We still have that. Um, and so copyright was the really big thing. If you write the song, if you're the one that owns it, you're the one that wrote it. Am I right on that? It Typically, yeah. If you wrote it, typically you're going to be the, initial, at least initially, you're the copyright owner. There are situations where that's not the case. Like I mentioned about studio projects in Hollywood before. If you yes. If you're hired and you're an employee and you're, you know, you work for an advertising agency, say, and you are, are tasked with writing jingles, your employer would actually own your music, not you. So they would, they would have a corporate author on it. Um, you can also do that by contract. If you're an independent contractor, say you were hired to write music for a film and they had you sign this agreement, then it would transfer the ownership of the rights over to them. Usually you get to keep the writer's share, or rather it's you know granted back to you technically. So you would be in for some share of the royalties ultimately, but they would be the de facto copyright holder. Well, it's just an interesting time, a very difficult time for those who pour out their souls, you know, um, the music. And it seems like people who copy it, you know, it used to be, what was it, eight bars? You, If you did eight bars, then that was your minimum and, <laughs> and oh, you could not. Yeah, there's, there's no real bright line rule about what, what is or no. what isn't infringement. Those cases can turn and get some very strange results. Um. <laughs> mm. Well, I tell you, it's been a pleasure to have you on, Alex, and try to explain this. I do know um, that um, in an article I was reading, it said broadcasters say they have not had a willing dance partner with which to negotiate a deal to end the long-running battle over a performance royalty for radio, and that just makes me want to cry. <laughs> so I really thank you for trying to give me some clarity and, and my listeners as well, and I do hope that we can talk again someday, and maybe things will get so much better for the artists and those that create the music um, because it's important. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a break. Um, I, I am almost exhausted in reading as much as I've read about what this is all about and even what she gave me tonight, what Alex gave. Oh my gosh. I just <laughs> I sit here and go, I don't understand it all, but I do have a reference of when this started in my life and when it started in, in others' lives and older folks that I know. And I tell you, this is not good. We're going to take a break and we'll be back and wrap this up. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 
worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It is 828 here at WCCO. And as we wrap up this conversation about companies like Spotify and others, my goodness, it's, um, it's very frustrating to watch it all unfold. However, I do have faith that we will find a way through this um, because it took those from the 1950s and 60s that did albums and 45s and made a way. And they opened up so much for so many other generations. And I know for my generation, uh, we had a really good run of albums and CDs and vinyl is coming back, has come back for sure. I don't know if CDs ever will, but I still buy some, especially from local artists. I still buy them. So there you go. Don't, don't give up on us. We're going to keep delivering the music. And hopefully those of you who are so gracious and generous who make sure that we are paid for what we do on that vinyl or that CD, we are very, very grateful. Thank you for your generosity and supporting us. All right, you guys, coming up next is going to be the weather. What? So what do you do? This is that segment that we do on Sunday nights just to find out what people are into when it comes to their businesses and their ideas. They find something in their hearts and soul that is bubbling up and all of a sudden it's created. And tonight I'm very excited to talk to Charles Lovejoy. Now what is Lovejoy's? What is that all about? Well, he's joining us tonight. He's turned his time in the bar and restaurant industry into his own brand. And when I read his story, it was quite remarkable. Welcome, Charles Lovejoy. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you so much for having me, Gerald. Uh, congratulations on your 20th year. That's amazing. Oh, no, my 23rd. Thank you so much. <laughs> 23rd? Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> 23rd, man. I'm sorry. I found no, you short. No, that's okay. That's okay. You know, here's the thing. When I was reading through your entire, I perused your entire website, and, you know, you talked a lot about your wife, who I believe is the VP, correct? Oh, that's my sister, Suzanne, who's the VP. Oh, your sister. involved, but yes, 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 yes. I love it because you have rep- you have recipes on your website and so much more. So, right. tell us about why you got into the Bloody Mary business. Well, uh, I've been a bartender around the Twin Cities for about twenty five years, and uh, I was you know the whole time I was I was always looking for some way to some way to get my creativity out. I uh, cre- curated a bunch of uh, different bars and and their 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 drink menus and. And, you know, I was always looking for something. And about 10 years ago, I uh, started at a place called the Happy Gnome in St. Paul. And uh, I was able there to uh, express a lot of my creativity through uh, the cocktail program I was creating. Um, one thing led to another. We we got um, we got uh, a little – so we won a couple of awards for the Bloody Marys that I was creating. And then uh, we did some competitions and won some of those. And at the same time, uh, my mother, who uh, Margaret Lovejoy, who cr- was running a nonprofit day center for um, homeless families here in St. Paul, 
Um, and I was I was doing like putting stuff, you know, cocktails and and bottles, and then giving them to for gift baskets and for stuff they would auction off at uh, some of their fundraisers. And uh, they became pretty popular that doing that way. And I, I just started to look into how how one might go about uh, creating a beverage business. Um, and it just kind of started from there. We just uh, slowly but surely put you know one step one foot in front of the other, and uh, uh, created this brand, just <laughs> taking on a life of its own. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. You know, that's what I was doing when I was reading your website. I was, you know, smiling. It seems as though you just have a lot of joy. <laughs> it's, called love. it's called Love Joys. Yeah, uh, but it yeah, seems yeah. like you have a lot of joy in the business that you're doing. Um, what are you hearing from um, your fans as well as those that are just being introduced to you, coming and looking for your brand um, as uh, Bloody Marys? Are people, you know, hearing about it? The word has spread. You've won awards. Where are you at right now? Uh, we're in a period of growth. Uh, we're, we're very much localized. We're, we're mostly in sample in the Twin Cities area, um, but we're, we're, we're striving to uh, get to regional distribution and to eventually national. Um, we get a lot of great feedback. I think it's um, it's a unique product, that's for sure, and you, you have to taste it to to, to get it. <laughs> it's kind of, some of it sounds kind of weird, you know. I mean. Uh, we do we do use uh, lots of fresh ingredients. We use fresh strawberries and uh, fresh dill, fresh chives, green peppers, so and tomatillos. So we have some interesting and unique ingredients. And just like my family and 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 my uh, path, it's very <laughs> it's very unique. It's, it's different. It's not like I can imagine for sure. I can imagine. So here you are, after how many years now of doing uh, Lovejoys? Uh, we've been in, uh, in the bottle for about four years now. Four years. How difficult will it be for you to get it out nationally and even internationally? I mean, how far have you come in that process, if any at all? Oh, man. Um, th- yeah, that's uh, that's our goals. Um, it's, you know, just from even from the beginning of this whole journey, it's... Uh, you know, one of the first inspectors I met with just said, like, you know, don't, don't, don't do it. Just, just, it's not going to be worth it. It's just, it's a, it's a lot of headaches. It's a ton of work and, you know, you have a long road ahead of you and, you know, none of that, things like that don't, don't discourage me. I mean, that's my whole life, you know, so I'm okay with that. And uh, so this next step that we're looking forward is, is just another step on that journey. It's going to be incremental. Um, you know, we'll, we'll hope, we we got one store in Wisconsin, so we're on our way. But uh, yeah, that, you are on your we, way. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> right. That is for sure. Uh, but it's gonna it's gonna be a it's gonna be a challenge and a journey. Um, it's uh, we have a we have a great team. We're we're building the foundation um, with a with a great team of uh, you know brand ambassadors and and, and marketing uh, talent to get us to where we uh, where we want to be. Uh, it's not just gonna be me. Uh, anymore, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a team effort, that's for sure, and that includes my family, my wife, my my, my sister Suzanne. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're 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 working on that journey. I'll let you know when we get there. I don't know when it'll happen, but. Please do. I, I, I look forward to that. You know, here's the thing: when it's a family affair, you got a running chance for real. 
you know, it's not as easy when you don't, you're not, the friends are not involved or the family's not involved and you're really trying on your own. And we've had, during this segment called So What Do You Do, we've had um, guests on that have said, you know, it's just me or it's just me and, you know, two other people that live in other cities, that sort of thing. It's not easy at all. So to know that you're moving forward, I'm just curious to know if people are asking, because I read some of the reviews and what is it that they liked about the Bloody Mary mix. Many of them said, you don't have to add anything to this particular Bloody Mary mix. So that in itself says a lot. Don't touch it. Just drink it. See what you think about it or cook a meal with it. Um, so tell me, what are you looking further ahead to say, I'm going to do this, and when it's nationally, I'm going to start a whole nother thing. There's going to be something else. Maybe it's a the Cosmo or something <laughs> out of this world. Who knows what you might do, but are you considering that? Oh, absolutely. We are... Uh... <clears throat> I have, I, I like, you know, like I said, 25 years experience, and I've been doing this brunch thing for for 10 years, and I've got a, I got a million of them. Uh, so yeah, we're definitely going to expand our line. Of, we're looking to do, you know, uh, other, um, you know, uh, cocktail mixes. Um, eventually, you know, if we get to where I would like to eventually be. You know, in five or six years, I'd love to. My goal would be to open a, a facility, like an incubator, for other aspiring uh, makers, artisans, yeah. um, people that look like me to come in and uh, to, to to have everything under one house, have their labels, all that intimidating and daunting stuff that comes with starting any kind of business. Uh, the legal aspect, have it all under one one building. Have a little kitchen there where people can do can contest their recipes, and that's kind of my goal with the, the the end goal with the company, this company at least, and then and building it into into that so I can give back to the community and and help other people, uh, um, small makers make it, you know. And you have two daughters, correct? I do. I have two daughters, and I have a, I have a five and a seven year old who I just put to bed. So I can do this, and then uh, my, I have a 27-year-old son who hopefully he can put himself to bed every few days. <laughs> how does he feel about this? How does how he looks at his dad? What has he changed his opinion of you in a better way, or or how did it affect him knowing that you and your wife got into this business together and and it's soaring? Uh, I think that he's okay. I think that he's part of this Lovejoy family that. Uh, is no is, is full of surprises and people in my family are always doing the wildest things, um, but uh, we I think it just has got kind of powerful the course for him. Uh, he he's he's been a great help too. Uh, he comes to the events and works the booth sometimes and and does uh, does all that kind of stuff. And his, his lots of his friends are you know he's in that right age that millennial age where he can get out there and you know promote it to his friends and his friends are out at the bars and telling people all about it and. Uh, it's been a beautiful thing, that's for sure. Your blog, can you tell me how that began and how much do you enjoy writing it? Do you write it often or is it different people within the company that are writing it? It's it's, it's def- definitely different people writing the, the blogs. They're very, um, it's uh, it's part of our um, outreach and, uh, into the into the, into the uh, internet is to get uh, all these different voices to to speak and just to talk about things that they want to talk about. It's open. Um, it's a, it's a amazing thing. One of the writers is a, a, uh, Japanese, uh, expat who lives in Spain now. 
and uh, that's where we get to, we got her writing for us, and she does amazing work, and it's uh, very insightful, and uh, yeah, it just adds to the layers of the brand, I believe. Um, can I read just a bit of one um, that is by, and I'm not sure if this is the woman you were talking about, Anita Chung. And yeah, she yeah. says, healthy living. For most of us, those words immediately draw images in our minds of sunshine, exercise, fruit and vegetables, and a little time to do what we want with whom we want when we want it. Should we speak to a doctor about the subject, then probably a few more things such as plenty of water, regular sleep, reduced alcohol, and reduced smoking. Let me go back to reduced alcohol. Dude, you're in the alcohol business. <laughs> So I found that funny when I read it. But it's interesting that you have different people writing the blog for Lovejoys. Um, quite fascinating. I, I really wish you well with this. You've been doing this for how long? When did you start? We start, We started, uh, the company started four years ago. Uh, we, we got into a bottle about three and a half, four years ago. Um, we or initially were, we were focusing on wholesaling just to other restaurants or, or two restaurants. Um, and so pre-pandemic, we had built up uh, about 20 restaurants we were, we were servicing. Um, and then so the pandemic hit, and we had to pivot more towards retail and online sales. Um, and that's been a, it's been a blessing in disguise, really. Like, I, I was intimidated by the retail space because I didn't know it at all. I've never been in there. Uh, the restaurants, right. I, knew, I know restaurants. I know, you know, how to, how to sell and to pitch to them. Um, and know what their needs are, but the retail space is a different animal, and it's uh, it's been a it's been a journey, it's been a challenge, but it's also been fun, and it gets us out there a little bit more than we would uh, than we were intending. So, yeah, it's been it's been great. Uh, final question: Tell me about the mission um, that you have for Lovejoy's Bloody Mary Mix Inc. Um, you have a mission to provide superior quality products while inspiring, by way of our actions, solutions to supporting at-risk youth and curtailing homelessness. Tell us how that mission came to be, and has it come to fruition? Um, yeah. So, going back to my mother and her um, her her. Uh, philanthropy in uh, the Twin Cities. Um, this company would not have started without uh, a philanthropic base. Like it, it's just not. It wasn't my intention to create a for-profit company. I wanted to be like a Newman's Own, but with Bloody Mary mix, you know. And and right. but and you can drink this without the alcohol, by the way. You don't need it. Like it, like they said on the on the on the on the reviews. You know, you can just drink it straight. It's cool. Um, but uh, so we 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 I found it tried to find it found it as a Newman's own type of type of entity, but kind of come to find out that you need a lot of capital to do that. So so we needed to actually sell some of this stuff and make some money to uh, build the brand a little bit. Um, but we still do we still give back a percentage of our sales to um, to face to face, which is a nonprofit here in St. Paul, and then other uh, other. Uh, Nonprofits that are in that mission, in that same vein, to give back and to, to help fight uh, housing insecurity and, and help our youth uh, navigate this crazy, crazy world. Um, 
It's, I can imagine uh, that that keeps you very focused. I can imagine that that's the thing that, Absolutely. you know, your family, of course, but that keeps you focused. I am so happy to talk to you, Charles, and I wish you well with your business. I will check on on you in maybe a couple of years and see how you guys are doing, but tell your wife and children that I have enjoyed having you on tonight. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you so All much. All right. That is you're welcome. That is Charles Lovejoy. And the name of the company is Lovejoys. If you want to just check out their website, go to lovejoysbrand.com. All right, we're going to take a break and we'll be back in a moment. Oh, I so love this song. It is now 851. Welcome back. You are listening to Steel Talking. I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. It is what I love to do is sit here and gab with you. Unfortunately, I had a guest that was booked at 735 tonight and was not able to join us, and I absolutely hope that we can reschedule him. I've been so looking forward to having him on as a guest. And um, if you don't know him, his name is Baratunde Thurston, and I find his emails and newsletter fascinating. So um, I, I just wish I had had him on tonight. Night, but we are going to get him into um, one of these half hours and have a great time talking with him. He's quite fascinating. As we look overall as to where we are, not just in life, but inside of ourselves, um, I try to look into me to figure out if I'm growing. There have been myriad times where I could not say I'm growing this year or I'm growing in this moment. But this time, this year, my goodness, um, it's so much bigger and more important to me than even last year. Even though I survived last year, I had COVID in December, had a lot of um, performances that I enjoyed doing and working with young people and so much. I just enjoyed my life last year. But this year, I have such high expectations because I feel as though if we don't raise the bar, we will not be able to survive it all. And I'm talking about COVID and high school, um, um, education for the students and how they're not getting what they need in so many of these schools around the country. We heard this past week, I believe it was, that some of the superintendents have, you know, decided to walk, just get out, you know, they're what are we going to do if we don't have enough teachers? I remember, what, 15 years ago we were being told here in Minnesota, you know, please understand that when we get to such and such a year, that's when we're going to lose a lot of teachers. And so we've been trying our best um, across the globe, I'm sorry, across the, uh, the country, to really get it right, to make sure that we are inspiring young people who are in college to go into education, to want to be teachers but boy, we're not making it easy for them, that's for sure. And I know my granddaughters and how difficult it can be for them from day to day with the ever-changing um, protocols for COVID and, you know, trying to do it online one day and come into the school for three days and do it online again. I mean, can you imagine? And I said to my daughter and my son-in-law, I said, I need you guys to understand, I have never been through a pandemic where I am not able to um, redirect easily my children, um, trying to make sure that they have this class and make sure that they learn math and learn this. It's not easy what parents are going through today. I am not going to sit here and talk about you and say, how dare and why can't you get it together? Most people in the world aren't getting it together that easy. 
So be patient with one another. Please, please be patient with one another because this is a whole different ball game. Now, we have to really look into what our boards are doing, boards of education are doing, uh, to make sure that they are giving our children a running chance, right? That they will be able to learn and grow and thrive. Learn and grow and thrive. But we all need to be invested in that too. So I'm hoping next Sunday I will be able to really talk about what is happening in education and where do we go next? How do we put the numbers of teachers in the rooms? Although I have said for a very long time, uh, even years ago, I've said, hey, just remember, we're probably going to start seeing teachers from all over the world, um, you know, on a screen or on a TV teaching the class. I I thought about this many years ago, and I think it's going to come to fruition because Seriously, we need teachers, and if they can be online teaching the children and there's an adult in the room that is paying close attention to what they're learning, thank goodness. All right, you guys, I am going to take a break here. I want to know, let you know that Center Stage is coming up next. All things arts and entertainment, and you know you need to know about it. We've got some great guests for this hour as well. So stay tuned. we got a lot to talk about. Oh, and then the 10 o'clock hour, my favorite, it's called the Mom and Michael Hour, where my, my son Michael Battle joins us on Sunday night. So stay tuned. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. 